Welcome to POTUS 2020 Battleground America. I'm Ted Johnson, political editor at Deadline. And I'm Dominic Patton, senior editor at Deadline. Well, it's game day. We've been here. We're getting here. Voting has started. Dixville Notch in New Hampshire. All five votes went to Joe Biden in the landslide. Don't know if that's going to tell us what's going to happen today, but it's a mega day happening in the probably, the, as they love to say, the most important election of our time. In our election special podcast today, we have the wonderful Adam McKay joining us live from Boston, director of Vice and many, many other movies, former head writer of Saturday Night Live. But before that, what the hell is going to happen today? <laughs> well, first of all, I know what's going to happen. I know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen today during the day, not the vote count. During the day, we're going to see a lot of Democratic freakout because they're gonna be watching Twitter and they're gonna see these anecdotal information of this flood of Republicans in same day election voting. It's already started. Uh, there's reports that you know huge uh, Republican turnout in the first hour in Florida. So this is gonna go on all day long. So I, uh, if you are worried about what is going to happen, I would recommend just stay off social media Try to stay off cable because it will drive you crazy. Well, speaking of driving crazy, I very quickly I want to talk about. So we saw the kind of last last minute rallies last night. Biden campaign had an event in Pittsburgh with the former vice president, Lady Gaga. Uh, Senator Harris was in Philly uh, with John Legend and, and others. Donald Trump just did the big tour, ended up in Grand Rapids, which is where he ended up in 2016. Very quickly, which one do you think was a good closer? Uh, you know, they were, they were all okay. I, I, I didn't think they, any of them were that good a closer. I mean, Trump's obviously, it was just his, his kind of traditional rally where it was hard to kind of discern what the message was, but that's what all of his rallies are. I mean, he's kind of all, all over the map, stream of consciousness. Uh, Joe Biden appearing, you know, he, it, Joe Biden actually gave a really I thought Fury speech. Uh, he was very, very energized last night in a way that I you don't always see him on the campaign trail. Um, and uh, it, the idea was we're going to finish that, this campaign in the western part of Pennsylvania as opposed to the eastern part of Pennsylvania. I thought that was kind of telling because it's the western part that gave Trump that state back in 2016. So that seemed very, very intentional. I'm, I'm a bit mixed on, you know, finishing it out with entertainers, uh, not quite so sure how much they add to the equation. You know, you saw Republicans attacking Lady Gaga because she was a member of an anti-fracking group. She probably brought a little more enthusiasm to the event than he otherwise would have had. Kamala Harris was on in Philadelphia and she appeared with John Legend and Common was there and Patty LaBelle. I actually thought that they, you know, they they made these great appeals just to get out the vote. Um, these I, were love not John, I love John Legend. John Legend gave a great speech between songs where he talked about, he didn't mention Kanye or Lil Wayne or anyone by name, but he talked about rappers who were trying to distract people and how you really needed to keep your mind on what you were voting for. I was surprised. You know, I'm, I'm very critical of entertainers and how they get directly involved in politics. I often feel sometimes it's either bullet points or, or sort of pipe dreams. But I really felt like they picked they pick the right people. They picked people who knew what they were talking about. 
And they also have picked people, and this is very important when you go out on the campaign trail, is they pick people who had a connection to the state. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. kind of connection to the state. And and uh, not all the time, but um, but I think that's, you know, bringing Patty LaBelle out there was, you know, obviously, a, you know, a great entertainer from Philadelphia was probably really important. And even Lady Gaga, she said, I once lived in Lancaster because I had a boyfriend and we were engaged, but it didn't pan out. So yeah. <laughs> it was, now, it was now, very, very, I thought it was a, an amusing anecdote from the- Exactly, and it, it, was, it was a connection. Look, that happened. Cable news was just crazy yesterday. We want to get to Adam very quickly, but I want to bring up one thing because this really struck me. There were two things that happened yesterday. Ted wrote about it. Eminem gave the Biden campaign permission to, to use Lose Yourself uh, for a campaign ad, which they put out at the last minute, which was pretty compelling. But the big one was Indiana Jones. Han Solo himself stepped into the breach with an ad, with an ad for the Lincoln Project that basically was, you're not firing Dr. Fauci, we're firing Donald Trump. What did you think? I mean, we wrote about it, but, you know, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, just from from our perspective in the industry, you kind of know who's politically involved and who isn't. And Harrison Ford is not one of those people. He's involved in causes, but as far as getting out there for candidates and doing commercials. Uh, so I thought that was very telling. We're seeing a number of people kind of get off the sidelines. Uh, Mel Brooks, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were seeing... Um, uh, musicians uh, allow their music to be used in this very partisan way. It wasn't just Eminem. Uh, we've seen other people like Ray Charles, his foundation allowed his music to be used for a Lincoln Foundation ad. You know, that's significant. It tells you that the entertainment industry, the music industry views this as a very unprecedented election. Does it matter in the long run? I'm not so sure. I mean, especially it's very late uh, to get these commercials out. A lot of people have already voted. Uh, this is this is this is not about persuasion. This is about getting people enthused to get out there and hop on the bandwagon to oust Trump from office. And speaking of which, we have Mr. Adam McKay joining us today from Boston. So, Adam, uh, you're no stranger to po politics, satire and otherwise. So I have a question for you. WWDCD. What would Dick Cheney do? <laughs> well, Dick Cheney is, I always refer to uh, Dick Cheney as a, as a highly skilled safe cracker. Uh, he's very meticulous, very quiet. He lives in the bureaucratic shadows. So, uh, you know, what Dick Cheney did during the W. Bush years was really pretty masterfully devious. And uh, he's, you know, he definitely shares some of the responsibility for where we're at now. He would not be doing it like Trump. I mean, Trump says everything out loud uh, before he does it, um, which nowadays may be more effective, but Cheney would have just very quietly messed with the post office, very quietly had all those court battles going on and those challenges to counting votes. Uh, you see, a, you know, a little bit of it in Florida. Cheney's reaction to Florida was just act like we already won and let's start mm -hmm. setting up the White House. Uh, so it was a very deft, quiet touch. And what you got, and you still hear it to this day, you hear people say, well, at least with W. Bush and Cheney, they kept the dignity of the office. And 
I would say that's more frightening. If Trump were doing what he was doing now and putting on the facade, uh, you know, we'd be in a, we'd be in, it's hard to imagine, but we'd be in even more trouble right now. Uh, if we had like Tom Cotton or even mm. Mike Pence is able to do that, to pretend that he's dignified while he does just as much destruction. So my answer is Cheney would be doing a lot of the same stuff but with uh, a veneer of civility and professionalism. Adam, are you nervous? What's your outlook for today? You know, it's funny. It's for a lot of years, a lot of people have been talking about the fact that we're headed towards the place we're at right now. So in a strange way, like to see it happen was sort of like, well, yeah, of course, this is where it's always been headed for 20, 25 years. So you would think there would be some calm uh, amongst the, you know, there are millions of people who kind of were predicting we were gonna head to this place. You'd think we would be calm, uh, but no, I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely nervous. Um, I do feel like these poll numbers are so extreme for Biden. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw numbers like these. I think you have to go back to like Mondale Reagan where one candidate was so far ahead. Now, granted, we didn't have the attacks on our you know, voting structure going on back then. Uh, certainly Mondale was not the kind of guy who was gonna do that. So yeah, I, I think I, I, any reasonable person is nervous today. You haven't been crazy about Joe Biden, but has there been anything that he's done during his campaign that has said, okay, I kind of like that? Uh, yeah, when, I, when I'm not, when I say I'm not crazy about Joe Biden, I voted for him, of course, because I'm not a lunatic. Well, you know, uh, you know, Adam, I, Ted's heard this before. I refer, and I'm a big fan of former vice president. I mean, I, I cop to that. But I also do refer to Joe Biden as the Jacques Chirac of American politics, which is that at this point, everybody who isn't a borderline fascist is voting for, for Joe Biden, whether or not they love him or not. Exactly. I, I think that the game we've been playing for the past 30 years, which is, you know, Republicans swinging towards abject corruption and fascism and Democrats coddling up to uh, uh, corporations and the donor class, but still not being fascist, has reached its extreme point with this election. And you just have to say kind of like checkmate. Like, yeah, all right, there's no way we can go through four more years of, uh, of Trump. Has, you know, there, there's some things he's done. I, I like that he was chatting it up as much as he was with Bernie. I like that he presented that green plan that he presented, uh, which Biden presented, which wasn't so bad. Uh, I still don't hear that type of urgency in his words about global warming that I'd like to hear. But I also get we're in sort of a battlefield medicine kind of situation, you know, triage. Uh, you know, I, I don't hate Joe Biden. I, I just think that we need to reinvent the Democratic Party. I think they've lost their connection to the people. And as a result, the Republicans who are playing this kind of fake populist game have been left to run amok. So I would love to see the DNC wake up again and go back to you know, working with working people in the poor and representing them, which it seems like they unplugged from a, a couple decades ago, probably in the Dick Morris, Bill Clinton era. 
Do you think, do you think, you know, today is, as you said, a lot of people on edge, tense. James Carville last night, though, said, this is all going to be over by 10 p.m. Biden's got there. They've got it there. This is this is not going to be the hanging chat of 2000. This is going to happen. What do you think? I, I mean, I think it's very hard to say that with any degree of certainty. Uh, is it possible because the poll numbers are so extreme? Yeah, sure it is. Uh, also, one of the advantages we have going is, you know, the Republican Party is very good at dismantling, but they aren't great at putting together cogent plans. And a coup or a, a, a destruction of a democracy is a very difficult thing to do. So I think that's one thing we have going for us. I'm hoping that that's the case. 10 o'clock is way too early. Uh, I would say midnight, 1 a.m., the next morning. Okay, Adam, I mean, really. <laughs> you are still going to have somebody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be, but 10 o'clock, I think that's when we knew that Trump was winning last time, was 9 o'clock in, yeah, in New York. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely no fan of uh, Carvel, but, uh, man, I hope he's right in this case. That would be incredible. Adam, a Hollywood question. Uh, every cycle, we see these high-dollar fundraisers, uh, candidates coming through town. None of that has happened because of the pandemic, and it's kind of forced Democrats especially to rely on these small-dollar contributions. Is that encouraging? Yeah, I do. And, and I think it's a little more than the pandemic. Even before the pandemic, for the first time in a long time, I started seeing shame in taking high dollar donations. You started seeing it in some of the uh, debates. Well, Elizabeth during... Warren. Elizabeth Warren just said no. Yeah. Exactly, and, and we know that Bernie did, and suddenly you had uh, Kamala backpedaling on it, even to a little bit of a degree, Biden, who probably is the oldest school politician of the bunch, and he even started backing off. None of them would take super PAC money uh, you know, I don't think there's any question as stodgy and as kind of ineffective as the DNC's been, they are starting to move to the left more than I've seen in a long, long time. So Adam, I mean, look, I know that you're, 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 you're a true progressive and I know that you're also, you're, you're a pragmatist and you know that politics is made through, through sharp elbows and real politics, but let's say Let's say it all goes. It all goes the way. It all goes kosher. Uncle Joe becomes the forty-sixth president of the United States, and Kamala becomes the vice president. There's been a lot of talk about what may or may not happen. The former vice presidents talked about putting together a commission on judicial reform to see what could be done, because nobody wants to call it court packing anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Could you tell me what would be in a Joe? What would be the, the top three priorities for you in the that? fabled first hundred days of a Biden administration? Yeah, well, I think one of the problems that's happened and how you've gotten this sort of radicalized right wing is that there's a lot of people who just don't feel government working for them. Now, part of that is through misinformation. In some cases, people don't know the ways that government works for them, but in other ways, it's kind of real. So the very first thing I would do would be to raise minimum wage because uh, that's right away 2 million people that feel a direct effect. And then the second thing I would do would be a giant infrastructure bill. Uh, and that's been floated, you know, $2 trillion uh, to fix our roads and bridges and to go more green, which is just a fact of life that we need to do that. And right away, you've got jobs and higher wages pumping through the government. 
uh, I'm sorry, through the country. So I think that would be really smart. And then the third thing I would do would be to make voting a national holiday and do auto voter regist registration because we can't go through what we've gone through again. And then I, uh, there's nothing wrong with adding more justices. There's nothing in the Constitution against that. It's happened before. I would definitely do that. And uh, I mean, look at them not interviewing Merrick Garland for 10 months. That was directly against the Constitution. I have, so I have, I, a, feel, I have a feeling if, if the Biden administration do do judicial reform, I have a feeling Merrick Garland might end up on the Supreme Court after all. <laughs> and I and I, I would really hope they would have the guts to to do that. And then you got to fix the tax structure. You know, you got to you got to you know have billionaires and giant corporations paying some taxes, which essentially is you know is a seventeen percent functional tax rate for billionaires right now. I mean yeah. that's ludicrous. So yeah, I think the first thing is you need to you need people to feel what government can do because that connection's been lost. Now you're in Boston today, and, and Boston is one of the, the hearts of American democracy. Um, tell us a little bit about the film you're working on in Boston, but also tell us a little bit about what Boston's like right now, because LA, they've boarded up everything. LA is, is almost on, on, a, on a civil unrest lockdown, anticipating things could go badly. Wow, really? Oh, oh yeah. God. Boston is not, it's, I, I'm not seeing as much of that. Uh, we, we are here working on a movie that they announced the cast a couple of weeks ago. It's called Don't Look Up. Uh, and the storyline's been announced too. It's about two mid-level scientists who discover a comet's gonna hit Earth, a, a giant planet killer comet. And they have to go on a media tour to try and tell everyone. And you can kind of guess, you know, what ensues. It's sort of a dark comedy. Um, but that's a, that's I, a new one for you, Adam. You don't do many dark comedies. Branching <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, out. This may be the craziest one of them all. I mean, I wrote it before the pandemic, and it's it's crazy how much it's played out. Uh, a lot of like what we've been living through. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing quite that tension here in Boston. Although, granted, I've been working on a movie. Um, you know, they had some BLM uh, protests when I first arrived. Uh, there were some police out for that, but it didn't get too hairy. I mean, this is a pretty blue state, but you know, there are some militia groups up in New Hampshire. Uh, I think it feels fairly safe here in Boston, but it all depends on the size and scope of this. If there is a backlash to this election, false accusations of fraud, people taking to the street, I mean, it's gonna get hairy in every major city, so. But yeah, right now it feels pretty reasonable. Uh, what? Um, how? 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 Uh, how much do you think the appetite of the entertainment industry will be if Biden wins? How much do you think the industry will still want to do projects about the Trump years? It's you know I, I get asked this all the time, obviously because we've done you know movies about the stock market and you know Succession and Cheney and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know what are you going to do about Trump? But it's almost so gigantic. It, it's like saying you know I'm I'm going to do a movie about I'm working on a movie now about Asia. It's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, it, it's so there's so many pieces. So the trick seems to be 
what's the what's the ACL? What's the patella of this story? What's the the hip of this story? Uh, and I just don't think we know yet. I think it's all too close and too large. We're we're busy being attacked by the monkey, you know, so we don't really have time to write about how the cage was left open. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's going to be dozens and dozens. There's also stories we don't know about. Like, I'm sure there's going to be loads of stories about people hiding COVID numbers. There's going to be stories about Bro. weird liaisons with other countries and you know I, I, you know that we don't know exactly what his weird crush for putin was about uh how how much it was financially motivated how much it was just his deranged psychology uh his weird crush on uh what's his name kim jong-un like we don't know the answers to a lot of that stuff but yeah we're gonna be you know what I, I feel i feel you're one of the smartest people i know adam and ted is the smartest person I know, but I will tell you both. I have the answer to that question. I have the Ooh, answer. I love it. My, my, I belief love is, it. my belief is very simple, and and it it, it comes from a, a knowledge of just being alive. Anything that Barack Obama did, he wants to do the opposite of, and that's as basic as it comes. This is I, I've always felt underneath <laughs> all agenda. the explanations of Donald Trump. This is racism one hundred and one. The black guy was president, and we want to erase the black guy from history. And that they will, they will do anything to do that. So if Barack Obama didn't get along with a volcano, Donald Trump's going to go over and hug that volcano. Yeah, I mean, there's still those loans, Deutsche Bank. I mean, there's still a lot of, like, shady, you know, uh, uh, what's the Wilbur uh, Ross? Uh, you know, there, there's some... There's some stuff. I mean, I know a guy who's a forensic accountant, and he just said there's money laundering red flags everywhere. Oh right? yeah, and 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 I've talked to people. I've talked to people like that. And look, but but I would say in in that that is you mentioned Bill Clinton earlier, and and Dick Morris, and and the aftermath of their 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 takeover of the Democratic Party in the '90s. I think kind of the Davos man thing, international financing. It doesn't outrage me. It, it intrigues me. But I don't. I think at the heart of that, that's just that's just bad, bad American capitalism in action. Um, I really think the Trump thing comes down to racism 101. I really I, do. I, I don't in any way disagree with you. I think it's a big part of it. I also think you can't downplay. I think one of the craziest things about this whole experience is that his mentor was Roy Cohen. Like totally. I still to this day can't get over that. And. So, you know, when you talk about figures like that, they're kind of the whole stew, you know, it's yeah. racism, it's money laundering and at its root. And this is a little bit what we discovered with Cheney after doing a ton of research. It's kind of just this hyena desire for power. I mean, it's really raw stuff. It's like it's like you shut up, you sit over there, you get out of the room. Uh, and part of that is definitely always historically racism. So uh, in the most boring, uh, long-winded way possible, I just agreed with you. <laughs> well, you, you sketched out a scenario for Vanity Fair, the endgame scenario. And um, yes. as you wrote it, did you think, you know, oh, this is pretty wild. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of writers would, would look at this era and think, I never could have written anything so wild as that is. So do you, do you sometimes fear, oh my God, this actually could turn out to be true? 
I mean, I definitely think there's, I mean, how strange is it that we've been watching that series, The Vow, while living through this with that weird mousy Keith Ranieri Mm -hmm. running a cult and getting people to believe really strange things. And then we're seeing people fawn over this ridiculous, you know, multi-bankrupted ex-reality star, you know, porn star sleeping with clown. So the idea, I mean, the way a lot of these cults go and historically the way this kind of worship has gone, there are a lot of stories of like the king has died, the king is alive and well. Uh, You know, the idea that he serves six terms and like a couple of the terms he's dead for. Yeah. uh, It seems absolutely bonkers, but uh, no, you know what? As I'm saying it out loud, that's never going to happen. Well, let me let me ask let me ask you this though, Adam, because I, I do think this is important. Um, so let's say Trump loses decisively tonight or by early tomorrow morning or something like that. Here's the thing that that I feel is the unspoken uh, horror of all this. There is then this there is then the transition period, and the transition period to me is going to be more dangerous in the past three three and a bit years because there's nothing that's holding them back. And that whatever they could do, they could do. Like we talk about, you know, all the W's being taken off the keyboards during the transition from the Clinton to W era, et cetera, et cetera. This could be really dangerous. What do you think about that? Is there going to be, is he going to go to war with China just to screw everyone up or what's going to happen? Well, thank God he seems to, he seems to blanch when it comes to war. I really thought we were headed towards a conflict with Iran and he backed off. Remember that? It was like really clear he was not into that. But I, I don't That's think- That's true. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt, though, that he's going to trash the country. Like, I don't know if there's a modern day equivalent reference to what Keith Moon used to do in hotel rooms. Uh, I don't think there is. I think rock stars and musicians- Rock stars are dead. Up, rock stars are dead. They're dead. And the modern musicians kind of respect hotel rooms. So there's yeah. no real equivalent- because they need um, the internet I, access. <laughs> I mean, I guess the same is like when you rent your tux for the prom, you end the night by jumping in the pool. Do kids mm. still do that? Um, so there's no doubt that's going down. I mean, the part that's daunting to me is the rebuild. I mean, I don't think since like the Marshall Plan after World War II, the country is thrashed. Like everything is ripped apart. Like the tax structure is destroyed. The DOJ's gutted. The State Department is a shambles. Now, I find that interesting you say that because I thought that, that 2008 was a version of that. When you think of what Obama and Biden came into, with not the, the economy was wrecked, the national security state was out of control, and there was, you know, I mean, it felt like everything was ragged. I do still say this. Donald Trump is the best thing that ever happened to George W. Bush because it gave him a whole new significance. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There was a lot of damage, that economic collapse being the big one. I mean, that was just a, you know, a, a, a feces tornado, basically. It was horrendous. But I don't know. I think the damage is much worse this time, not to mention the damage to the faith in government or, and, mm. and a lot of the, you know, I mean, I think we've downplayed the fact that we have a fully operating propaganda news channel is the number one news source in our country for decades, like, what do you do about that? I mean, it, it's it's such a crazy thing. I mean, do you bring back the fairness doctrine? Do you, there's just so many questions because none of those people are going away. 
the problems aren't going away. The te- you know, and the tax structure is really important too, yeah. because without a tax structure working, you're not able to provide real services back to working people because you don't have the funds. You're in a constant massive deficit hole. Although the good news is interest rates are rock bottom, so it's a good time to to borrow. And then the scary thing is like, what happens if like treasury bills, like people start losing faith in America and T-bills and our borrowing power goes down? It's, I mean, you're right. God, that Obama time, that was insane with mostly the economy. But this is kind of across the board and we're not out of this pandemic yet either. And the economy is still teetering. So I, I mean, holy moly, what a time. Like, okay, let's say Trump thrashes the White House and the government on his way out, pardons himself, nakedly, you know, gives huge amounts of money to himself and his supporters, uh, you know, throws journalists in jail. I mean, there's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff he could do, but eventually he's going to leave. And I, I just I just don't even know how you walk into that White House, Biden and Kamala Harris. I hope they're up like 16 hours a day just working on a plan. It, it's breathtaking. Adam, final uh, question, and that is, what are you going to be doing tonight? Are you going to be watching the results or you're 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 working on a movie right now? Or are you going to do something to kind of distract you about what's going on? Well, I mean, the last time in 2016, we were working on the pilot for Succession in New York City. Well, that worked out. That worked out. <laughs> that worked out okay. Um, but we did a party at my house, even though I wasn't the biggest Hillary supporter, I still voted for her. And I was, I was really excited to have a woman president. Like, oh my God, like we really might get to see this. So we stupidly got champagne and oh, did a thing. I, I hate the way this story's going. <laughs> And then Hillary Clinton won. And it's been great. The last four years have really been, (laughs) she was way better than I thought she would be. She actually regulated the banks and uh, raised the minimum wage and supported unions. No, so that was a disaster. This year, uh, unfortunately, we're in the bubble for our production. We're kind of doing a version of the NBA slash NFL. So I can't hang out with anyone. So I'm actually working on a song for the movie. I have to get the lyrics right. And I have a guide track from Nick Bertel. So I'm going to work on that and then occasionally peek in on the results. But there will be no champagne. There might be Diet Dr. Pepper and uh, me on the couch with a laptop. And then I'll be calling my wife probably every hour and a half. But um, yeah, nothing exciting, nothing interesting. Just me in an in a apartment in Boston. Well, send, send us notes. Tell us what you think. <laughs> yes. I will. I, I don't think I can quite bring myself to live tweet it because I, I, I think I would go insane if I, I jump into the, the vortex of Twitter. So, um, but uh, definitely, man, if you guys see anything interesting or hear anything interesting, let me know too. Thank you, Adam. We really appreciate you spending time with us. And you guys, hey, you and your crew and everyone out there, you stay safe in Boston. Beantown's a great place, but we all got to keep safe still. And we can't wait to see the movie. And, you know, let's just strap on for the last part of this ride, I guess. Whew, man, how about it? And yeah, we're doing good. We've had five weeks of tests and, you know, we got a crew between 200 and 300 people, zero positives every single week. I'm really proud of this group. And uh, yeah, strap in. Let's hope it's not too bumpy and you guys stay safe. Take care, brother. Thank you, Adam. My pleasure. 
Well, that was great with Adam. He, he's, all, he's always very insightful about this. And, you know, I mean, look, I'm honestly, if you want to stay off social media and, and cable TV for a couple of hours today, as Ted recommended earlier, I would recommend watching Vice again because Vice is a pretty damn good movie that has, has a lot of, lot of things to say about today's election in many ways. And not just because Liz Cheney is one of the lead members of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. To that, looking forward to today, Mr. Johnson, the Biden campaign seemed to be everywhere today. Trump is keeping pretty tight in the White House. What do you think we need to look forward to? What's the first thing that you think that we need to be aware of going into the afternoon? Well, I think uh, obviously people are going to be watching lines at the polls. Uh, people are very cautious. They're worried about any kind of election-related violence. Democrats are worried about voter intimidation. Um, uh, so all of those are genuine concerns. I would just caution people to, if there is, you know, if there is something fishy at the polls, is to put it in context. You know, it has to be put into context because one, you know, one incident at the polls doesn't mean the whole system is rigged. So I think that's that's you know that's probably a, kind of a, a word of wisdom going into the evening. As far as the actual results, look at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's when Florida closes. That's when North Carolina closes. Some of these key swing states are going to close. Part of Florida, I should say, uh, closes. That's when some of these key swing states close, and we'll start to get a read for which way this actually is headed. Again, a word of caution. Uh, it's going to all depend on, you know, that first batch of votes. Is it same day vote or is it mail-in vote? Those yeah. are, those are, and the news networks, they all tell me that they're going to make, try as best they can to make that distinction. So people don't think, oh, Trump is ahead or people don't think Biden is ahead. And then a number, another batch of votes comes in and it flips the result. Now, Ted, Ted put together a really great piece about how to watch stuff. And I really recommend giving it a read. You know, 99.6 million people have already voted before Election Day, which is unbelievable. So I think to add to what Ted said about putting things in context, that's important. Hollywood's going to have a presence throughout the day. There are events happening down at the Staples Center that Ava DuVernay is participating in here in L.A. and all across the country. We will be back throughout the day on Deadline reporting on this because, honestly, this is an election that is all about our industry in many, many ways. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow with a post-election day POTUS 2020 podcast. We might even be calling it POTUS 2024 at that point. We will see. Um, <laughs> to the next campaign. But, he, yeah, the next campaign starts tomorrow, let's be clear, um, because this is America. Um, but either way, uh, I think this is going to be, as we said with Adam, this is going to be a wild ride tonight. Have a cup of coffee, but take a breath because this is going to be different, America. But we, we, we think, well, I'll say this, okay? There's been a lot of talk about voter suppression and a lot of different things, and that stuff is real and it has to be guarded against. And I think the one thing that has given me a great deal of faith is I've seen these things of people who stay in line for 11 hours to vote. Now, no country should be doing that. Every, people should be able to vote within minutes, in my opinion and especially the most powerful and richest country in the world. But you have to know that the republic is strong when people will stay for that time to exercise their vote in our democracy. And I think ultimately out of this, regardless of the outcome, the numbers of people who are participating in this event today is remarkable. And that's a testament to the true power of this country. And with that, I'm Dominic Patton, Senior Editor for Deadline Hollywood. And I'm Ted Johnson, Political Editor at Deadline.